When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, I'm Helen. And I'm Stephen. And welcome to a special post-election, no sleep till results are fully in podcast version from us. We, um, I'll be honest with you, it's just going to be sort of 30 minutes of us kind of laughing hysterically. But do stay tuned for that. Welcome to a New Statesman special post-election podcast. I've had three hours sleep. Stephen, you've had nil hours sleep, right? No, I've, I've literally been awake since 7 o'clock yesterday, 6.30, when I woke up to send my morning email, which you should subscribe to. <laughs> um, it's now past 6. I've been, I've been awake for 24 hours. Yeah. Do you know what I just but... keep thinking of? You know that, that great track, Congratulations, on the Hamilton mixtape? Yeah. I just keep thinking, like, congratulations on inventing a new kind of stupid... Open all the cages at the zoo, kind of stupid. Calling an election you didn't have to do, kind of stupid. Um, that's kind of sums up my, my mood this morning. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, be, I'm so happy. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, like, I actually, I'm literally, this is the happiest I've been since my wedding day. I'm so happy. Do you know why I'm particularly happy? I've been thinking about this. Because I have to say, my initial reaction, and one that has persisted throughout the last 12 hours, is just finding it profoundly, profoundly funny. I mean, it is just inherently comic. I, it also makes me sort of weirdly proud to be British in that someone goes, anoint me your supreme overlord. And everyone goes, eh, nah, actually. Um, it's a really great tale of kind of hubris and, and nemesis. But also it has, I think, really interesting implications for Brexit, which is something that I care really deeply about. You know, after that vote last year, people were saying that that 52% mandate was a mandate for the hardest form of Brexit. You know, it was a vindication of incredibly right-wing values. And actually, guess what? This is one of the reasons that lots of people are opposed to referendums. People's views are nuanced, sometimes contradictory, and and they're not as simple as that binary choice would suggest. I mean, we're all being railroaded in one direction. Yeah, so I mean, so there are, there are dozen, dozens of, of reasons for my, my, uh, my glee. Um, I, I suppose, obviously... The first and the biggest one is, and it turns out there is significantly more life in the left in general and the Labour Party in particular than I had feared. And there's more viability to that as, a, as an approach to uh, winning power. So that's one reason to be cheerful. The second is a, a woman who I increasingly regard as not just having the wrong ideologies, but actually being um, to, to, you know, just not fit to hold the office of Prime Minister um, is going to be weakened 
probably fatally. It may take a few years for the, the wounds that she has sustained in this election to overcome her. But, but, but someone who I have been deeply troubled through her, her premiership, the way she has run roughshod over, over, over Perda, she's run roughshod over kind of just the kind of some, there have just been a, a casualness around democratic norms and that, that golden thread in that manifesto of, of tweaks to the election rules that they believe will advantage them. I just think it's very good that, that the, the, the central, driver behind that is, is is hold below the waterline. And also I think they will have to make a lot more compromises on, on Brexit legislation. I also think grammar schools are facing a pretty shaky future this morning. Well, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing that um, what someone asked me on Twitter and I didn't know the answer to, and I still don't know the answer to uh, because all of the people I would ask are asleep, but um, I... Um, I'm intrigued by it. Is what I don't know what that really does to manifesto commitments. Like you can't really be like, oh, Salisbury. So Salisbury, you, Salisbury. <laughs> but didn't get a majority. You, yeah, you, you, you can't, have to you, sort of strive towards them. But I think it's probably recognised that one is allowed to discreetly never bring that piece of of legislation. The other thing I think is an interesting change from Cameron's um, dynamic uh, is that she doesn't have um particularly the way that George Osborne built up a, a, a faction of patronage around him right so there was a persistent thing that was grumpiness by the end of Cameron's tenure about the fact that you know you're a skeptic uh, usual suspects were very rebellious and actually what kind of you know what benefit accrued to you from being a loyal centrist kind of remain Cameroon and actually the trouble with May is that she doesn't have a, a faction right I mean she's going to face an incredibly I would say probably incredibly rebellious party because there's no one who's got any personal loyalty to her and also they're furious so the average Conservative MP does regard a Corbyn-led government as a dangerous prospect right there'll be many many consequences to this election I think it will force a lot of people including me to, to think rethink many of our assumptions about why people vote the way they do but for a lot of, of those people, they, they think that basically they teetered into what they would see as a dangerous scenario through her incompetence and her blunders. Secondly, a lot of their friends have have lost their jobs, right? And people don't take kindly to that. Some of them have come very close to losing their jobs and people come even less um, yeah. kindly to, to that. So well, That's how I feel generally about the election, actually, is that, um, uh, you know, it's quite a humbling experience because we didn't see it coming. You know, all the polls by the end of the eve had them on seven points ahead, apart from that YouGov model that we all went, oh, YouGov be trolling. And I feel like, so I feel like, okay, this is a time where I just need to go away and kind of think about stuff and look into the data, but it's really interesting. There's so many weird new data points that I didn't expect. So the SNP, to to sledge that quickly, I think is really extraordinary. So the SNP is the thing I'm trying not to think too much about because it's the one thing I did uh, think would happen and feel was quite confident in. And I always think the danger when you get most things wrong is you kind of like, you like, cling like, on. You cling on to yeah. the thing where like, oh, I, I, th I thought that was the thing. Um, but, um, we saw in 2016 that, you know, that people were getting more effective at voting against the SNP and working out how to defeat the SNP. So actually, well, I think there are a couple of, uh, of, of, there are two strategic decisions of, of Jeremy Corbyn's that I think were validated by the One surely result. being Article 50. One, yeah, Article and 50. And I think that's a really fascinating thing, actually, because I was thinking about this this morning, about the fact that um, from the Labour MPs that I talked to, they were saying, actually, immigration is really not coming up that much on the doorstep, because there is an assumption that as Brexit proceeds, we'll leave the single market, we'll end freedom of movement, and that will be sorted. And that was something that crippled Ed Miliband. And actually, you've had a fascinating situation where kind of liberal city types have accepted a more draconian immigration policy than Ed Miliband could have got away with. But because Jeremy Corbyn is the kind of guarantor of uh, of their values, they're kind of okay with that. Yeah, but I also think, I mean, because there was a, one of the big problems under New Labour was that 
the way that successive Home Secretaries would uh, get around the fact that they couldn't control free movement was to introduce more and more cruelty into the system uh, where, you, where we could control immigration. And I think the average person who cares about immigration issues knows that a migration system overseen by Diane Abbott would be more humane than the one we have now. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, he, he um, I mean, obviously, in some ways, obviously, the, the, the second correct decision, which I'm hoping I'm going to remember because I'm, I'm quite tired, but the second, the first decision, Article 50, okay, it's also a no-brainer because he's a Eurosceptic of long vintage, but actually, just because your tactical call is easy for you doesn't mean that you, you weren't no, he's right. There. And he went across, he went against, a, a, you know, big... Big feeling of, of swelling of sentiment in the PLP about that, and actually several MPs who had who felt they had to vote the other way, yeah, um, because you know, of their constituencies. And it, you know, it, it, it properly including Clive Lewis, yeah, and it, it is the only issue which has properly split him for both his base in the membership and his allies in the in the PLP. So you know, so what's um, his second his second great call? The second uh, correct call, um, I think it cle- it feels very clear to me just from the text and messages I was I've received throughout the day and also throughout the night that. The advantage that the Scottish Labour Party has is they are the most acceptable tactical vote to against the SNP. They have they have ended up in sort of the right place, right? They are. That's fascinating because I mean, you know, Kezia Dugdale, who I've always, you know, I think personally is a very very likable politician, has been battered by people saying, "Oh, your triangulation on a second referendum will kind of completely cost you." The Tories will end up with all the pro-union votes in Scotland, you know, and Labour will be completely squeezed out of the picture. And that's something that I thought w- would happen as well, given that the SNP are a party of the the centre left, and that doesn't seem to have stopped Labour picking up, um, you know, Kirkcaldy, Golden, uh, Golden Brownsley, which once was, I think, the biggest majority in the Commons. It has now gone back to uh, to Labour again. But yeah, I think the main cause for glee, um, and apologi- apologies to those of you who have taken the sensible and life-stretching uh, decision to subscribe to my free morning email, um, because you, you may have read this already by now, but the, the, the thing it's really important, and I think a lot of people did not understand about this election, and this is not, again, one of the things I did keep saying, is that it was really, really, it was basically impossible to imagine someone winning the election after the 2015 election, because although the majority was small, the the situation in the marginals was so bad. You had so many sort of notional marginals with 10,000 tourists. The map that Ed Miliband passed on to his successor was appalling. The map that Jeremy Corbyn has created, right, is much more congenial to um, anyone contemplating getting the Conservatives out of power. In my view, he's, he's clearly, and, and clearly the, the view of, of the MPs I've spoken to, uh, this morning, he's clearly earned the right, if he wishes, to, to lead Labour into the 2022 Another very election. nice thing I think that has happened is, um, I think it is a big black mark against that Linton-Crosby-style campaign where you just have some relentlessly negative messaging and one uh, slogan that you keep pummeling over and over again. He now has basically a record of having won one election outside of Australia. He, he, he can't win win reliably somewhere where you have to you you have to get people to vote for you. Uh, yeah, and I mean we said this all the way through the um, the campaign, but you know Jeremy Corbyn ran a, ran a much better campaign. It was a positive campaign. It said uplifting things that inspired people and Theresa May ran a relentlessly negative campaign where she was either absent just refusing to turn up to stuff at all or saying you know these people are terrifying be terrified and I sort of I think that also kind of gives me hope for the future that it's you know that that people will be skeptical about the you know the value of just going for the full kind of 
you know, baseball bat approach, basically. And right? the other hugely positive thing, right, is that all of the evidence, right, and I could see this in my um, in in my in my own community, right. People people who had voted for the first time in the European referendum had got posters for for not always Labour in some, uh, yeah, in some cases the Animal Welfare Party or, or whatever, but they'd clearly been politicised by the referendum and another group of people have clearly been politicised by um, Jeremy Corbyn. So I actually think it is likely that this youth, this, this spike in youth turnout, I don't think it is going to go away. Yeah, I um, think it must be real for a start because actually the thing that's fascinating is... I mean, you talk to people on the doorsteps as well. It was it was tough to pick this up on the doorsteps. And actually, we, when we were talking to Labour MPs in the last couple of days, none of them were saying, oh my God, everybody I go and talk to loves Jeremy Corbyn. This is totally not what I was expecting. Yeah. I think I think one of the reasons why people didn't hear, hear it is it's fairly clear from polling and from the YouGov model, which was hugely validated, we were testing it against the actual results throughout the night and, and they held up very well, um, is that Labour's coalition is quite heavy on women and it's quite light on men of the kind we saw shouting in the final um, debate thing about you know, oh, Jeremy why won't you immolate people um, now the thing is is if you are a canvas or an MP and a large man shouts at you obviously that is a bigger part of your campaigning experience and a large man in his 60s is more likely to be home at the time when you're trying to canvas right not not to live in a shared flat or you yeah know, that seems like you know, shared flats canvas. more likely to be working on social hours more likely to be out uh, for social reasons uh, more likely to live in flats with entry phones young young voters are harder to um to canvas right so there are and then and also if if you're actually canvassing a scary shouty man and then a softly spoken ethnic minority graduate woman which obviously is not a real that is actually the kind of aggregate labor voter in well, see this is what i think is fascinating is we talked for a long time you know various things about like the how do you unite the wine drinkers and the beer drinkers and all this kind of stuff and what jeremy corbyn does seem to have done is kept all of his liberal metropolitan voters on side whilst also having a significant offer to places like you know the, they came very close in hastings for example of, of, of unseating amber rudd right kensington is now in a, an, a it's, i think third recount or something like that Portsmouth, one of the Portsmouth seats, right, has gone Labour. What's the other one? Plymouth, Canterbury. Plymouth, Plymouth. Yeah. Canterbury, which I think hasn't been Labour in 200 years or something. I mean, it's literally like never been Labour. Literally, the last time the Tories lost it, they lost it to William Gladstone's Liberals. Right. I mean, it's such a good result. But um, the, the other thing I, I am... And some of the swings in Scotland were incredible. You know, 9% swings. I mean, that is some frothy... Given some of the swings we saw in 2015 in Scotland, th- those are some voters who are really willing to change their mind. But I think the other thing that is really exciting about it is I don't think that any party will ever feel relaxed about going into an election offering as thin gruel to young working age voters and the, as the Conservatives yes. have. Yes, yes. And I think the thing is, I think the interesting thing is this does massively incent- change the political incentive over housing, right? If the Conservatives go into the next election and they and they have like a really good housing offer for the sort of top 50% of the, of, of, of the young, right? That is de- depressing because I would prefer a housing offer for 100% of the young. But... That is still a fundamental change in politics for, forever and for the good. Yeah, no, they must be very, very worried that actually, um, if this if this youth surge does turn out to be, then you know they've always said that buying a house, owning a house, was one of the big things that sort of made you turn conservative. You had a sort of sense of kind of stability in your life, 
And they, there is a generation that has been kind of failed on, on that promise that for whom, you know, they probably have a really good disposable income, a generation of young professionals that actually they live pretty well, but they there is no amount of money that they could save. And they're pretty tired of all those articles saying like, have a few fewer avocado brunches and you could buy a house because you're like, okay, that's about four pounds. And the deposit on a house in London, you know, for an average house, if you're looking at 20% deposit on an average house price in London is a, over a hundred thousand pounds. That's a lot of toast. There were also lots of just individual affirming um, result just, you know, like, Ian Duncan Smith came very close that would have been the cherry on my cake of yeah, delight I mean this yeah Ian Duncan Smith getting a fright that was pretty good Peter Kyle not just defeating you know some kind of dodgy faith maybe the gay should be healed person but crushing her I mean just literally using her vote as a chew toy I mean it, that that was brilliant um, <laughs> Jess Phillips has ended up with a whacking great majority and actually put John Hemming, the Liberal Democrat, who ran a pretty nasty campaign that was basically like, look at this tart, she's always on the telly, she's not serving you lads, um, into third place, which yeah. is a, a, another response. Diana winning with more, by, by more votes. Her majority is almost as big as Theresa May's total votes. Just... I, if I were Diana, I'd probably allow myself maybe like a great Instagram or like just a great, I don't know, great picture of my smiling face emailed to Theresa May. Like, um, um, Thangham Debonair has ended up with a majority of 37,000 in Bristol West. Yeah, I mean... 37,000. And that's somebody who's had a tough time. She had... um. Uh, breast cancer almost immediately after she joined the Commons and actually had to kind of stay in touch and couldn't come into Westminster for a long time. So she's somebody who's worked through really difficult personal circumstances. I think that's quite a heartening result. Yeah, and yeah, and, and, and then Caroline Lucas winning votes. And yeah, and actually the, the Liberal Democrats who... Oh, Nick, can we have a moment to say Nick Clegg? I mean, Nick Clegg's face... I mean, if you didn't find that upsetting, then you have no heart, Stephen, because... It was sad. He, he looked so genuinely crushed. And he gave a really great speech that actually was about the young. I think yeah, it was sad. Yeah, he has an immense understanding of the European Union, which we are very badly going to need in the coming... Someone tweeted, I think he's going to end up doing European Union negotiations for the other side. Um, like, no, Nick Clegg. But, um, um, we should probably, because we, otherwise we're going to have, we're going to be talking I think forever. The, the, and the you're final point we should make about the, the Lib Dems, though, is, right, is yeah. although I can see how it probably seems to most of our Lib Dem listeners like they had an awful night, uh, because of the the you know the no, losing the, Clegg is a huge the blow. loss and of Clegg Tim the Farron... galling spectacle of, of of Zach Goldsmith sl- slouching back into, back into Parliament, Parliament. Um, and, yeah, t- and Tim having to yeah and d- Tim Farron having a recount but actually the, the Liberal Democrats are larger and stronger than they they were and in Joe Swinson they've got somebody who is both very well liked within the party you know somebody who is really bedded into the structures Duncan Hame her husband used to also be a, a Lib Dem MP they were they were as a couple they were really solidly well liked and I think if you're thinking about the kind of long term future of the Democrats that is a good direction for them to have gone in Vince Cable for all that he might have some uh, you know he doesn't underestimate his own uh, intellect and importance that's another really great solid person that they've got back on on the bench on that particularly now that Brexit is happening yeah and yeah, and also in general, kind of the, away from the Lib Dems, the exciting thing about this, right, is that the the alternatives to to the Labour Party, Spring the Party, Women's Equality Party, you know, these these other sort of like you haven't even mentioned Philip Davis losing. No, he didn't lose in the end. Oh what? Oh no, I went to bed and he'd still lost. Oh what? That is a bad. That is bad. You've harshed my mellow, Stephen. Wow. <laughs> so well, this was a kind of dark ending to the NS. No, because it's good because yeah. You know, um, Preet Gill, for example, got in in Birmingham, Edgbaston, Gisela Stewart's oh, yeah. can seat, we, so can she's we the first right, Sikh woman. Nick Timothy, the supposed architect of Erdington Conservatism, couldn't even win Erdington, Nick. How do you like me now? That's uh, Jack Dromey's 
seat, right? So the the the, the Harmon Minaj is is pretty happy this morning, and um, Vicky Foxcroft got back in in my seat in Lewisham Deptford, where um, actually their son is a, a councillor. So it was probably for the for, yeah for the the Dromiemans, that was a it was a pretty tasty evening. There was another result that I thought was fascinating as well. Um, but do you know what? I my brain is now cooked. I'm now going to go and try and do a load of um, TV and probably just witter to myself and trail off. No, let's talk about what happens next because I think the trouble is now we've moved from the sunlit uplands of that was actually just really very funny. I think that a Conservative coalition with the DUP, which is or supply and confidence, where how whatever it ends up being, whilst admittedly initially hilarious because that will be literally a coalition the, of chaos. It also does literally mean. Jeremy has already ended austerity in one part of the United Kingdom. I mean, like... Those mines you know, like, yeah, yeah, The magic on. money tree is going to be planting all over Northern Ireland. Just, and I think that's a fascinating like, thing, because actually I think that long-term that might be a problem for the for English voters with the Conservatives, because the problem is exactly the same problem with the SNP propping up Labour, right? Is that people will think, well, hang on a minute, they're going to end up getting loads more money than us. Um Although, luckily, I think there's a slightly different thing in that not a lot of news escapes Northern Ireland, so yeah. we probably just won't hear about it. I mean, it. to kind of to do that awful journalist thing of complaining about the journalists, I, I did think the, the BBC election night coverage was, was otherwise very good, but at the point when it became apparent that Northern Ireland was going to be very important... Um, they, they didn't really seem to have a lot of thoughts about it. I thought Patrick, who I put in, Patrick McGuire, who put in a sterling performance last night and, and has that, become 90% more scouse with happiness. I mean, I, I will always be grateful to the Labour Party and to Jeremy Corbyn for the spectacle of Patrick running in, punching the air, literally punching the air, and then, like, sliding onto his knees. I mean, that that, that and Anna Soubry's just demolition of Theresa May. She st- she held her seat. That's not what I missed she, out So she night. held her seat, and then, like, she, she goes on, <laughs> kind of... But she can't, goes on. She's, like, obviously clearly quite upset because, like, cause some of her friends have lost her seat. Yeah. She's, and, you know, Dimbledore's like, what do you think? She's like, the campaign was dreadful. And he's like, you say it was dreadful. She's like, well, where do you start? And then just start in this, like, both clearly really upset but incredibly controlled manner, just being like, you know, Theresa, all, <laughs> Theresa always takes responsibility, and I'm sure she will. I think it is going to be one of the TV moments when we look back on when we look back on great election moments. It was fantastic. Oh, I'm really excited. And we'll go and hunt that out when we uh, when we finish recording this. Um, ben Bradshaw, my uh, parents-in-law's MP, not only you know, hung on in Exeter, right? And, I mean, didn't just hang. I mean, like, um, he, yeah. just, he, like, you know, not only he hung on, he's, like, built a freaking, like, maisonette in one of the crevices he was hanging on. I mean, another sort <laughs> of thumpingly good good result it does show that the appeal and survivability of an unapologetically left-wing platform is more extensive than we thought yeah i think that will be the thing is whatever whoever comes next then they're not going to go back to they're, they're just not going to feel the need that they have to well the, the interest yeah the, the tack in, back to the center the interesting question is is you know is, is obviously jeremy now has a very clear just an unarguable right in my view, to, to lead Labour into the next uh, election, uh, he's he's gained both votes and seats. Uh, which, to my mind, to my mind, this election this election result was literally the best possible scenario after the awful twenty fifteen result. So he has more than exceeded the the, the yeah. Requirement. I think everybody's very quiet this morning. I think there was a feeling that it's possible. You know, if they'd driven up vote share but not seats, there would be an almighty bun fight about whether or not that constituted a victory. And all of those questions have been answered by the fact that they are just in a much better position on all possible measures there's quite an important but though which is that there are more left uh leaning M- left-wing mps than there were uh, is this ballot on... time is, is are we already talking about ballot time? well so so ballot basically time. if jeremy doesn't want 
to stay. He doesn't have to stay because in, in, in order yeah. to you know ensure then like you know then yeah because their fear has always been that he steps down and and then tom like gets out his ice pick and starts running around hitting them all can i harsh your mellow for a minute and say the other thing is i think that you know the dm dp are a very conservative party right this is not a great i mean a great election for women in the sense that there are for the first time more than 200 female mps returned to the commons but i think that in order to make concessions to a party that's still heavily influenced by religion uh, and social conservatism is not going to make. I mean, Theresa, you know, Theresa May's Downing Street speech about you know all the happy, lovely, lovely living times together. I don't think that there's going to be a relaxation of any, of their social liberalism if the DP get any say in the matter. What's oh that? no, I mean, yeah, this this will be a more right wing and traditionally conservative government, but it also is 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 much weaker. And I think, and maybe this is one of those things. Obviously, you know, we I'm of that generation for which the last Labour government felt like it was forever, and then in recent times has felt like it would be never right. And so, yes, it's a more traditional hiring, but it's also much weaker. I just think, yeah, what I'm excited about is I feel the first time for this morning, I feel I can imagine the end of the Conservative government. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that was the thing. It was just like, well, how, you know, this massive yellow block in Scotland, and then you know, your seats with a 10,000 majority in England and Wales. And it turns out, actually, well, this thing is like, Labour actually, can take they seats are, with a 10,000 majority. Are, they are, yeah, it, it shows that. They don't, they don't need to go, oh, God, how can we, we possibly, you know... Um, Win, I mean, they may win Kensington, Harlow, Bradley, Philbin, so Chingford and Wood Green they came very close to. Chipping Barnet, Chipping Barnet, literally she held on by 381 votes. My concern about that, and then maybe I'm being too early to um, to be this bad, is that I, well, I think next time the dynamic of the campaign will be different because there was a lot of focus, particularly by Labour canvassers, on if you have any concerns about Jeremy Corbyn, don't worry because he can't be Prime Minister because that was the narrative. And I think that... I just wonder if we're being a bit cruel in retrospect to Ed Miliband um, about the fact that he fought an election in which the premise was that they, people were looking at a potential prime minister um, and therefore everything was kind of judged th- through that prism. Whereas I, th- I wonder if we got quite the same approach this time when we were looking at who we're going to be elect as an opposition. I, I, yeah, I, I and think... that's not to take away from Jer- you know Jeremy Corbyn's victory. And I would say it is Jeremy Corbyn's victory because I think it was a very presidential style contest, and undoubtedly he was the Labour figure that people saw most of. I think that was yeah, and, and definitely you know, there there wasn't the f- I didn't encounter the fear of Corbyn that there was a fear of of, of Ed Miliband. Um, I mean, I think in some ways they were helped because they weren't being shifty about things. We all knew the Eds were going to tax a bit more, but they kind of were kind of like oh you know mumble mumble, which kind of meant everyone was like oh so so I'm up for grabs. So I think there were other reasons why uh, why the the fear was was not there. I, I think it will be more difficult because Jeremy Corbyn was already held to a much higher policy standard by most of the press than the Conservatives were, and that was when they didn't think he would win, right? We know that the bar for a Labour Party to do anything is much higher, and that that won't change. However, however, in electoral terms, if you, you say, I'm going to have to take Ed Miliband's press and Ed Miliband's map, versus I'm going to take Jeremy Corbyn's press and Jeremy Corbyn's map, you, you take Yeah, I think it's, just, it's just, in, just in every way it's a better uh, state for the Labour Party. And I also just think having significantly underestimated what Corbynism could achieve now, I just kind of feel like the, the case has to be one for an optimistic view of what it could achieve. To be honest, I hope to God in many ways from a, a world perspective as soon as possible. I hope from a I haven't been asleep now for some time perspective. 
than this government lasts a long time. But I, I, I could I'm do sure with six I'll months put... before we have the next election. If I'm, if I'm brutally honest with you, I just, I just need a bit. Of... But no Labour leadership election this this summer. Um, who knows? Maybe, but I wouldn't say necessarily a Lib Dem leadership uh, election. No, I, I, I think. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. I think for them, that is actually, I think, the one element of of this which is not great. Which is, I, I don't think that it, you could fairly say Tim Farron has distinguished himself on the campaign trail. However, it is a good result, so it's a bit. There's no urgency to kicking him out, right? Yeah. If you assume that Theresa May is not voluntarily going to call another election to increase her majority. <laughs> oh, you! Oh, it's so brilliant. And the other fun thing, of course, will be them coming for Theresa May. Do you know what I like? I do. I do love a good bit of blue on blue, right? It is kind of alien versus predator. You can just relax and enjoy the sheer kind of saltiness of it because you have no investment whatsoever in the outcome. I also think they're probably about to make a catastrophic mistake if they think that reaching for Boris Johnson is going to help them in those seats. I don't. I think Boris has had. An, we've had talked about this before. An abysmal campaign in which his bonhomie is completely rubbed off, and he just looks a bit shifty uh, yeah, and unpleasant. I, I do think, and and again, this is. Could be wrong, but I, I think it, it's possible to overread the fact that ultimately the government chose to go through an election when people's real term wages were falling because of inflation and the and the fall in the pound. And then you had an opposition going, look, it doesn't need to be like this. Here's some hope. Yeah, we and, can have know, a different kind of society. Kind of, we can build an NHS that works for everybody. Kind of. And in, and in some ways... Some people have to pay a bit more. I mean, that's the best thing, is they went into an election promising to put some people's taxes up, right? And which is... Um, I have a You Ask Us to finish, Stephen. It's from Helen in London. And it's, is it still funny that Theresa May called an election to get a bigger majority and ended up without one at all? It will never not be funny. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm sorry, this is a sensational vindication of Jeremy Corbyn's two leadership wins, neither of which I voted for, but pick the man up. And we bring you some podcast extras filmed live at the New Statesman podcast, which we had last night at the Oxo Tower. It's fair to say that uh, the, that was a great atmosphere in which to see the exit poll. I think there was just sort of five minutes of uninterrupted screaming. But we, uh, we talked to some of our, our guests there, and you're going to hear from them now. Yeah, my name is Ian Hislop. Well, I'm at the New Statesman party and I'm listening to the screams, uh, which suggests uh, it's, it's, it's quite, quite exciting. Um, if, the, if the exit poll is right, and there's lots of people here who are not sure it is, but if it is, um, that's just extraordinary. Um, as usual, everyone wrong about everything. Fantastic. I'm, I'm Peter Wilby. I'm a former editor of the New Statesman and I write a column, still write a weekly column for the New Statesman. Uh, first of all, it's very surprising uh, because, and I'm an optimist, uh, I was an optimist, but compared with most people, 
about the result of the election. Uh, I was forecasting a Conservative majority of less than 60, uh, and I thought it would be around about 40 to 50. I certainly did not expect a hung parliament or anything anywhere near a hung parliament. So if this is, result is correct, it falls into the category of sensational. It's, it's, it's amazing if it's true. But what it shows, what it, if it's true, what it would show is the British people, the British voters, are completely uh, fed up with the political establishment in any form. They're fed up with people in London telling them how to vote, telling them what, how to think, telling them how they are going to vote, telling them anything. And if they're told you are about to deliver to Theresa May, whoever it is, a landslide, they will all decide they're going to do the opposite. That's what I think, that's what I think is going on. My name is Jess Bremer, I'm the Deputy Editor of Newsnight. Well, the exit poll is extraordinary and the uh, sense of shock in the room was palpable. Uh, I can't pretend that anybody expected that, although I'd sort of joked in the office that it might end up being a hung parliament. I, to be honest, I didn't believe it, so let's see whether the exit poll is right, I guess. George Eaton, political editor here. A surprise result, most forecasters were predicting a, a Tory majority, but not a shock one. Other pollsters were saying this was possible, and early elections do have a habit of backfiring on prime ministers. And this has blown up badly in, in Theresa May's face. She has not got the victory that she hoped for, and her authority is badly weakened. And this result has come not in spite of the campaign she's run, but because of it. She became the first prime minister to U-turn on a manifesto policy during her campaign, the now infamous dementia tax. The manifesto lacks any attention-grabbing attractive offer to knock that off the front pages. And Britain, on the eve of its most complex post-war negotiation in the form of Brexit, is now left with perhaps the most chaotic election result possible. I'm Chris Murray, I'm a Labour activist. And I was out on the doorstep today in Wolverhampton and I heard core Labour voters, for example, McDonald's workers, NHS workers, primary school teachers, telling me that they would not support the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn and that is in a safe Labour seat where the Tories have not made inroads since the 70s. Now if this exit poll is right that means a significant thing has happened where core Labour voters have switched or stayed at home and other voters have turned out and that is a potentially seismic change in British politics. Hi, my name's Barbara Speed and I worked at the New Statesman until about a year ago. Um, I did the interview with Jeremy Corbyn for the New Statesman uh, when he first stood for the leadership election after the last election and nobody knew who he was. The headline on our piece was something like Labour leadership candidate Jeremy Corbyn MP because everyone said that no one would know who he was. And we just had the exit poll for this election in which he's massively exceeded anybody's ex expectations, including mine, I have to say. But I'm extremely happy. I think that he has started, he's come in a massive way since then. Tom Kibassi, Director of the Institute for Public Policy Research. Well, I think this evening, maybe June, uh, we'll see the end of May. And the public seem to have concluded uh, that none of the candidates deserve to be Prime Minister. And if that's the case, it presents a period of significant political instability for the UK. 
I'm Elaine Moore. And I'm a journalist at the Financial Times. I'm Shahid Abari. I'm a lecturer and a broadcaster for the BBC. I was very surprised. I think we were both very surprised by the exit polls. I had little flowers of hope budding in my heart all day, but people have been resolutely trampling all over them. So when the exit poll came in, I was just absolutely bewildered and trying not to get too hopeful. I, I don't really know what it means. I'm scared that it might mean that Boris Johnson is about to become the Prime Minister. Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the new Who Hates Men. It's produced by India Bork and it's mixed by James Shields. Did I mention I have a morning email? <laughs>